Welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, where we will explore the local arts culture and community in the Lehigh Valley. We'll be doing this through conversations with individual artists, administrators, and organizations. We'll discuss all types of mediums with the goal of enriching local arts culture. Welcome back to Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. I'm Elise, and today I am joined by special co-host and former podcast guest, Nina Budhansing. Hi. Hi, Nina. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'm so excited to have you host with me today. Thanks for asking me to host. <laughs> I was very excited by it. <laughs> How does it feel to be back in the studio? Awesome. <laughs> it's always so much fun here. There's always lots of laughing and giggling. <laughs> Yeah, there's always a lot that is said pre the recording button being hit. Or maybe the recording button does get hit and then Ben just cuts it out. But Probably. There's a lot that gets <laughs> that leads to a lot of giggling. But yes. Um, but yeah, I'm very glad that you're back here with us. If you haven't listened to it yet, Nina was on episode two of season one of Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. So I highly recommend going and listening to it. It was a great episode. Um, but we are so glad to have you back hosting with us today. And I'd love to hear what you're working on. So recently, I just completed a mural at the Tavern on Liberty Street, also known as Liberty Street Tavern. So they are located on 23rd and Liberty in Allentown. They're actually across the street from uh, Muhlenberg College and diagonal from Jay's Local. Um, so if you can get out there, it's a really awesome, brightly colored mural. Um, I added lots of layers, um, geometric forms, um, and then there's Lady Liberty, and she's holding a beer glass. It's actually a dainty little goblet that she's like, <laughs> holding up in her hand, and it um, is glowing. You know, there's like sun rays from from behind. So I call it Lady Liberty and the Holy Beer. <laughs> I was going to say, it's very, very like Monty Python yeah. and the Holy Grail-esque. Yes. <laughs> With like abstract qualities. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but um, that's that's been my most exciting um, adventure of recent. And then I'm also working on getting some smaller items together for the holidays. Um I, last year I did little wooden ornaments, and this year I'm doing the same thing. Um, they're going to be little wooden ornaments with my paintings on, but some of them I'm actually going to do mixed media because um, I've been, this past year, I've been really inspired by multiple collage artists. Um, so I get some, like, really cool paper from Dick Blick. Oh, nice. And also, like... I'll get old magazines and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try to get the collage work onto these ornaments to give a little something different um, to everybody. And the other thing you can look forward to um, is the Bomb School of Art. The holiday gift gallery is coming up. And yes. I do have some smaller pieces, some paintings, and also some jewelry that I worked on. Um, so take a look out for that. And then that's awesome. <laughs> thank you. And then earlier this morning, you and I um, set up the show in the Steel Pixel Studios Art Gallery. Yes. <laughs> um, so I have several pieces in there, um, which look really awesome on those walls, if I might add. <laughs> they really do. I'm very yeah. excited. <laughs> I'm really excited the way the way it turned out, and I just. Um, wanted to mention two of the pieces are from 
um, a live painting experience that I did at the Ice House tonight in Bethlehem. Um, one was from 2018. It was the first experimento number one. It was called a cultural stew. So I have a piece from um, that performance. And then just a couple weeks ago, I performed again with experimento at the Ice House and it was their fourth live performance. Um, and I did another painting. So it's City, Cities of Gold is from 2018. Mm -hmm. And then You Are Not Lost is from this year, 2021. So those are Wonderful. on display and they will eventually also um, be on show on my website. Very good. Okay. Well, stick around till the end of the episode to hear our opportunity of the week, which will be the opening reception for Nina's show here at Steel Pixel Studios. Um, but we are so grateful to have Andy Grunberg in the studio with us today. Nina invited her, which I super appreciate. Um, so Nina, I'm going to go ahead and ask if you wouldn't mind reading her bio. Andy Grunberg is a sculptor and mixed media artist living and working in the Lehigh Valley. She was born and raised in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Art has been a large part of her life since childhood. Learning about and creating art has always been integral to her daily life. Andy holds a master's degree in psychology as well as two bachelor degrees, one in psychology and one in art with a focus on metalsmithing. At the intersection of art and psychology is the self. Art creates the path towards deep introspection of our lives, the world, and the spirituality and power of women. In celebration of this, her work focuses on the expression of the divine feminine. Using a variety of mediums, Andy is committed to unearthing and expressing the goddess within through the language of art. Her art studio, Expression Studio, is located in the heart of Center City, Allentown. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited that you're here. Um, I've seen your work before through, I guess, through the gram or whatever, but um, I'm very excited to meet you in person and to see some of your work in person. This thank is really so awesome. Much. And Nina, thank you so much for co-hosting today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you back in the studio with us. And I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for inviting Andy to come on the show, too. Of course. Thank Great. you, Nina. Thank you for saying <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, this is good, good studio energy. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'll start off by asking, um, Nina, you invited Andy on the show. How did you guys meet? So we were actually talking about this earlier because <laughs> we were trying to figure out how we actually met. And I partially feel like it could have been through Arthur at the Cigar Factory or it was through Anna Hamilton. I don't know, because I worked with Anna a lot um, doing shows at the Dime okay. downtown. It, well, downtown Allentown. And um, I know, I don't know, I just remember, it's it frustrates me that like, I can't, it's like, I can't remember when we <laughs> first met. <laughs> but I just remember being like so impressed by you and your personality was just so bubbly. And I was like, we're going to get along great. <laughs> Thank you. That's and so nice. you're, I mean, your work is just gorgeous. So thank like, you. But so I'm, I'm not exactly sure. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe it's best if we don't recall. Yeah. <laughs> it was like ships passing but in the night. It's been ages. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I think you said this morning like eight or ten years or something. Well, I feel like maybe six to eight. Okay. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Cool. Very cool. Well, I'm glad that you had that connection because yeah, now we get to talk too. about Andy's art, <laughs> which <Yay>. is awesome. <laughs> um, so I'll just go ahead and jump right in. How did you get started making art? So it was always a part of my life. Uh, my family always had art. We always looked at art. We always made art a part of, um, you know, when we went on vacations or went places, look at, you know, went to museums. It was that was what we did at the kitchen table. You know, we did projects. We did we had art birthday parties. So it was a really important part of um, growing up. So it was never like, oh, I started art when I was this age. It just was always there for me. That's awesome. Very cool. Do you feel like, is there like a specific type of art or like style of art that you were really attached to as a kid that kind of like fed into what you make today? I don't think so. I think I'm, even if you look at um, things that I've saved, it's just a very eclectic mix of anything and everything, whether it's like a picture someone took of garbage or a Renaissance painting. If it strikes me and I like it, I, that's what I respond to. So it, it doesn't really matter for me. If I respond to it, it, it doesn't matter what medium, what, who the artist is, how it was made. So I have a question for you. So looking back at your childhood, was there any um, art material in particular that you really loved working with? I don't think there was anything in particular, which I know is the boring answer. <laughs> Not necessarily. If what I tend to do is I tend to find a medium that that I respond to at a time and then doggedly pursue it and then figure out how to do it and then move on to the next one. I would say that's probably the most definitive part of art through childhood. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, let's um, let's learn crocheting. Let's learn painting. Let's learn, you know, making candles like anything crafty, artsy, fine artist. Just pursue that material for a length of time and then go on to the next thing. Okay. Yeah, I, the reason I asked was because in elementary school, um, so I went I went to a private school and they didn't, you know, you had your art class, but we weren't very art focused. Mm. And our art teacher was very uh, mean. <laughs> you can say it. It's okay. <laughs> And I just like I like asking people this question because I feel like I had a very different experience as an art kid in school growing up versus maybe somebody else that had like more access to it. But she had specific cardboard boxes under the art tables that you were only allowed to touch for certain projects and certain times of year. And one time she caught me in like the forbidden box and it was all of the like super fancy ribbon, the metallic stuff, mm. the foil paper, the sequins, the glitter. And I always wanted to use that stuff because that's what I used at home. And I wasn't allowed to use it in school. <laughs> I feel like I was scarred. I think there's a lot of trauma surrounding, you know, 
formal art schooling and how um, how people view art as an adult. And I talk about that a lot because I use um, art with I'm a counselor, like a, a grief counselor, and I, I like to use art when possible to um, to do my counseling because I think that humans don't always have the right words to express these emotions inside. So art can really help you do that. But there's a lot of adults with art fear because they weren't allowed in the metallic glitter sparkle amazing box or (laughs) the teacher told them their piece is ugly. And I do think that there is a place for art for every person. And I think it's more about learning how to complete a task, learning how to finish it neatly, learning the technique rather than coming out with this amazing piece. Like we're not all going to be good at everything, you know, same with, you know, math or science. We're not all great at that, but we can learn the important base techniques in order to bring that skill with us. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that, that like adult fear of art or like trauma surrounding making art. Um, Cause I work on a college campus and it's not necessarily like, a space that's focused directly on like people that are already artists. It's more of like getting students to kind of embrace art and like use that in all realms of their education. And one of the things that comes up all the time is like, we're giving out these free kits with like sketchbook materials and people will always be like, I'm not an artist. I can't take that. And I'm like, no, that's kind of the the, po- yeah. <laughs> the point. And it's amazing some of the stuff that people will say to me like, oh, yeah, I don't really make art because I had a teacher in elementary school that yelled at me and told me my art was bad. Yes. Or I failed an art project in high school and it kind of ruined it for me. And it's yep. amazing like how that simple like instantaneous moment can just say like tell someone telling someone that their art isn't good like creates a lifelong fear of it it's kind of it's horrible (laughs) it's terrible because there's so many other applications for art i mean you're the billboards the the way houses are designed there's art and creativity and everything so we're stopping all these people who maybe had other skills through you know childhood art trauma or art fear yeah absolutely i feared watercolor for a long time watercolor is I mean, <laughs> still do to an extent but like I enjoy it now where in college it was it was not my friend <laughs> and my professor let me know it was not my cup of tea <laughs> so, and I think a lot of art students experience that where it's just like well they said this so I'm just not going to do it or I can't do it. But that's one person telling you one thing and you just have to keep at it. We had a, uh, something that came up in an episode a couple of weeks ago talking about someone's like moment of consciousness. Um, and it was actually a trend that I saw on TikTok <laughs> where people were talking about like their moment of consciousness and where in their life they like became a, aware and can it's like a first memory kind of thing. Um, But the way it got twisted in this episode was talking about your like art moment of consciousness. And someone was like, oh, I got asked to like help with the mural in our elementary school cafeteria or something. Or, oh, I got asked to submit for this like workbook or something. And my art was in a book that got sent home to my parents, that kind of thing. So I'm curious if either of you have that kind of like moment in your brain. Yeah, Andy, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so... um, (laughs) 
Obviously, I'm really bad with dates and times, as we can tell by the story with Nina and I meeting. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, the thing that was really powerful for me was seeing the Venus of Willendorf. And now some people are calling her the goddess of Willendorf. But to see a larger woman and you can tell when you look at her really closely, like how important she was to somebody and how she was this powerful figure and even how in modern times, how we respond to her. I just remember feeling, you know, like this is a little naughty. This is a little out of the norm. You know, you're so used to seeing advertisements and, you know, with, with a certain body type and a certain shape and a certain expectation for beauty. And here is this gorgeous, you know, um, paleolithic figure that is, just gorgeous and stunning. And I think that is, when did that happen? I don't know. But <laughs> that is, I still remember that feeling of, of first seeing her and how important that was to me as an artist. So for me, it was actually within the last few years, I think. Um, just because, I mean, I've been working and doing like working with my arts well I graduated 2010 from Kutztown and after I graduated I felt kind of defeated and I stopped painting I had a residency for a short time at the university and then I stopped painting for almost a year or so and I actually remember at one point <laughs> I can't believe I actually did this but at one point I was working for a podiatrist and I found a letter that I wrote to my extended family and I told them that I didn't think art was for me and I think I was meant for the medical field and I'm going to continue with the podiatrist for a while well that lasted a whole year maybe <laughs> <laughs> And I really don't like feet, so I don't know where that even came from. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to be a medical assistant. I mean, I was good at what I did, but oh. Anyway. Podiatry is hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. That is a serious commitment. It is. It was. But, you know, then slowly I got back into my art and then um, still kind of felt that like that imposter syndrome, which mm -hmm. I think a lot of people feel no matter what their passion, whatever their career path is. And I'm like, you know, I'm really not. This isn't like I just do this for fun. Like, yeah, I make money here and there, but whatever. Other people are so much better. Then Wellcrafted Beer Company came to me and asked me to do designs for their beer can labels and I was like I think I made it <laughs> <laughs> like even though I had done shows and other things like years before that it really wasn't until then when I was just like okay I can like I am doing this and like not I can do this I am doing this and that made me realize like yeah keep just keep going keep doing it and I, I say that a lot but really just keep going <laughs> a thousand percent yeah. yes absolutely and I think that's the story of probably most artists this like cycle of I'm shitty mm -hmm. I'm okay I'm amazing I'm shitty I'm okay and then add in like I'm 
doing well. No, I'm not doing well. It's just <laughs> I'm a I'm never going to do art again and I'm going to do art all the time. It's just such a cycle. And I also think that our society contributes to that because they don't value art and what we do. I mean, some countries, you know, if you're an artist, you get paid, you get grants, mm-hmm. you get housing, you get, you know, your your art is up in the street and here it's like every artist probably has a day job. Every mm-hmm. artist probably has another source of income. It's really hard. It's a struggle. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that's why I personally felt that struggle for so long because it was like, well, if I'm an artist, I shouldn't have to work this day job. So, well, <laughs> here you do. <laughs> like, wake up. <laughs> it's difficult because I think that there comes with that such an identity crisis or like Mm -hmm. I feel that very much like with that divide between artist and like having the day job kind of thing and now I feel lucky that there's like a lot of overlap in that but I think that like at what point do you kind of say like okay I have this day job this is what I do but I identify as an artist like where does that distinction kind of come in for you? Um, actually, I think it came from another experienced artist and I, and I was going with a friend to an art show where I had a piece and I was freaking out and he was like, you're an artist, act like one. And I was like, (laughs) whoa, okay. So I think I've, even if I don't always feel, you know, have the feeling of like, I'm an artist and I'm amazing, which I, you know, is good, is a good feeling to have. I try to think like, I'm an artist, I need to act like one. So I try to keep that in mind. It's not always, you know, successful, but. (laughs) Yeah, I was always told that when I'm introduced to somebody or I introduce myself to someone and they ask, well, what do you do? Say first that you're an artist and then say, oh, I also work in healthcare. I work in the like industry, like the bar industry, the service industry, you know, always put the artist in you first. Yes, that has helped too. Mm -hmm. And people will look at you weird and say, but do you have another job? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) That is my job. (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) It's fulfilling. Yeah, not everyone can say that about their day job. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so speaking of day jobs, um, you are, you mentioned briefly um, that you are a counselor as well. Yes. Um, and that you incorporate art and art practice into your work. Yes. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> um, I work for a hospice, a local hospice, and um, I'm a grief counselor. So sometimes we get, um, we work with children um children don't always have the vocabulary and to be honest most adults don't have the vocabulary either for their emotional state especially while grieving so you know where i can i try to fit in you know art projects like let's make a let's make a painting for grandma how does she make you feel let's you know things that are it, it's a it's a specific example and then their mind can go anywhere with it with the art supplies that I provide. So I'm curious because, and this is both for my benefit and listeners benefits, but what's the like specific distinction between someone that says they're like an art therapist versus a counselor versus a psychologist? Um, Art therapy is a, they they have their own um, certification and licensure. Hmm. So, and um, 
a psychologist or psychiatrist that's also schooling and licensure and, you know, um, the years they've practiced. So I wanted to jump back to something you said earlier about your art consciousness and the Venus of Willendorf, um, because I was really excited when you brought that up and when I got to look at your artwork, um, because that's actually one of my, like, uber favorite pieces of art ever. (laughs) I want to give a shout out to my art history professor, Dr. Flaherty, um, who's an amazing art history professor over at Penn State Lehigh Valley. Um, But she gave a lot of emphasis to this piece, and it was one of, I think, her favorite pieces. Um, And it was something that I really connected with. And I'm glad to hear that that was something you connected with, too. Yeah. And and I think about um, cave people and I'm sure that there is a more historically accurate term, but cave people and what they had to do to survive, you know, hunting and gathering and fishing and, you know, starting fires and making fires. And still they took time to do art. They took time. To and and I'm sure even at that time it wasn't such a light like oh we're doing an art project like I think it was something that they specifically took time out of their day to do and I think it shows how important you know people's expression of their internal internal world or their life or what they see every day and how important that is because you know I have carved stone and I've carved soft you know like soapstone and it is very tedious and long and dirty so they're carving these stones and these sculptures and these pieces i mean to me it shows how important or carving you know on a cave wall and painting and you know creating shapes and i mean to me that just shows how important art is for human beings you know no matter where we are or what we're doing it's so important to take time to be creative to do art even if it's not good art it's okay <laughs> <laughs> A lot of artists have bad art, and we can probably admit that. So it's normal. It's okay. Not every piece is a success. I know I have to tell my... I'm really talking to myself. I'm not talking to anyone else. (laughs) No. (laughs) Only for me, Andy. It's okay. It's okay if you mess up. It's okay if your piece isn't good. Just keep going. I want to clip that like little bit and just like play it on loop. That's like my alarm clock every morning. It's okay if it's not good. It's okay. Just keep going. It's an experiment. I had a teacher who used to say that it's, it's an experiment and it's really hard because also I think there's a level of perfectionism in, in many, many artists. It's hard. It's it's disappointing. It's sad. But I I learned. So I I have um, a studio with two studio mates, Anna Hamilton and Femi Johnson, and they taught me so many things watching other artists work. And, you know, you can paint over it. You can Mm -hmm. throw it away. (laughs) You can smash it. It's okay. It doesn't have to be. You can work work on it, put it aside and come back to it. Even years later, there are pieces that I've worked on for years and it's okay. We're just all a mess. Have you- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I actually have two things to say. Um, first, when you were talking about like self-expression and how important it is, um, it reminded me of several years ago, one of my brothers was talking to me about, you know, like how we don't take the time or appreciate things such as art and music and dancing as much as we should. And what made him say that was he saw somebody 
just dancing down, like listening to music and dancing down the street. And there are so many times where I'm walking down the street and I feel like also dancing, but I don't because I'm like, hey, someone's going to look at me and be like, that's a crazy person right there. (laughs) 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 But at the same time, it's like, that's how we express ourselves. And it's so important. Like, just go with it. Yeah. Like who cares if you're singing down the street while you're while you're walking or you're you're dancing to the music and like just create, you know, yes. express yourself. Um so next time you see me I'll be dancing down the <laughs> <Jamming>. street. <laughs> do it. Just do it. Experiment. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's such an important important part of art and music and expression is like that mindfulness aspect to it and just taking the time to like really focus on why it's important or why it has meaning or what like the emotions are that kind of come out of it for you and that's funny because I think like I listen if I listen to music it's like always in the car on the way to work or like while I'm working on something or while I'm typing something out um and I notice like I I play the violin and like when I am practicing music, there's so much more mindfulness associated with it because I have to like focus on what I'm practicing. And I think it's the same for visual art too, where you can look at something in passing. You can look at a beautiful architectural building. You can look at a mural. You can look at a painting in passing and kind of just be like, oh yeah, that's great. (laughs) Or you can really take the time to look at something. And that definitely connects back to what you were saying about cave people creating artwork because that takes would take so much time out of your day when the focus of your whole life was surviving and just day-to-day tasks hunting gathering maintaining your shelter kind of thing um but like how mindful you'd have to be to make art a part of your day and that's just amazing to me (laughs) yeah i mean even um neanderthals they found a really um a really beautiful grave site and the I'm pretty sure it was a woman, but um, she was buried like a full burial. She had jewelry on and that's like, you know, carved stone jewelry, you know, so they had even they even had rituals back then. It's, it's so it's a part of us to to celebrate life, to decorate the body, to show the body in different ways and forms. It's it's a part of us. And I think I, I hope we get back to it. And I think that you know, the isolation due to COVID has really helped reconnect people to art and creativity and the importance of it. Because when you're sitting at home for months on end and you can't go anywhere, what are you doing? You know, leisure is a part and should be a part of our lives. It's an important part. And I think we've lost some of that as technology has increased. Absolutely. I just learned about something recently called spaghetti lines. And I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, Um, but I I don't even know where I saw it. Um, I'm sure it was on TikTok or Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) You can't see how hard I'm rolling my eyes at myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's ruining my life. Um, But it was talking about how there were these cave paintings that when they were found, they had like, Yes. What people they yes. thought were like scratch marks or just deterioration from how old they were. They're like Paleolithic era cave paintings um, and talking about how they weren't really sure what it was until there was a gentleman that went in to the cave with a lantern and saw that the movement of the fire and that the way the lines were left between like figures in the painting made it look like they were moving. Yes. And that is such a such a hyper conscious thing to like, OK, we like how this cave painting looks. Looks great. 
very still. We need to do something to kind of like amp up our space. And I think that that's, it's, it's, that's so cool. Like I connect, I don't know why I connect with that so much, but it's something that's just so like, they were staring at this wall for hours and hours and thinking, how can we improve upon this? Just like artists do now, you know? And I, ah, I just love it. Yeah. It's an, it's <laughs> incredible. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's, yeah. Maybe it's not called spaghetti lines. Maybe I'm just like totally pulling that if out of nowhere. If it's not, it should be. <laughs> yeah, it should be. <laughs> Ugh, I need like a academic resource for my information and not just like social just media. Historians are going to start leaving comments on this podcast. Do it. I dare you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not spaghetti lines. It's linguine lines. Yeah, oh my God. God. Sorry. Linguine lines. <laughs> tortellini lines. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh I do have another question and again it's kind of going back to what we were talking about before about um, you know telling yourself that it's okay to have a bad piece of work or paint over something or throw it out destroy it um, I've had a few artists tell me to never paint over anything and never throw anything out and to keep it all. I have painted over multiple paintings and I have thrown many things out. How do you handle, like, when, if you say, like, have you ever painted over a piece that you didn't like? That's a good question. I think that they're really bad pieces that aren't going anywhere and then there are just horrible experimental mistakes mm -hmm. so if it's something I try to get a consensus I, I'm a little bit lucky in that I have two other people um, who are artists who understand who understand my work who I can ask so I think that is a huge asset so I mean there have been pieces where I'm like this is terrible and shitty and then I'll come in and they'll have been, you know, my studio mates or someone who came and visited and told and and told, you know, my studio mates how great this piece was and I'm not seeing it. So I think it is important to make sure you're not just willy nilly destroying everything, although there is a piece in that, you know, uh, there's a satisfaction of doing that, like being able to let go of something that you don't like. But it's it's definitely I definitely, for me, take a consensus because it you can't always see the goodness in your work. Mm -hmm. Especially, I mean, and I think that as an artist, when you're looking at your own work, we're just so judgmental already. Oh, yeah. So we're not even coming from a place of purity. Like, <laughs> we're, you know, we're already tainted by our own thoughts and feelings about ourselves. So that other voice, other people, you know, contributing I think is important but you know ultimately we are the judge jury and executioner so you know ultimately it is up to us yeah I 100% agree I mean I've had pieces where it's like I feel stuck and then somebody comes in and looks at it and they're like oh I'll buy this one as is and I'm like it's like not it's not even halfway there yet <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing with it but it's not it's not done <laughs> And then it's like, well, if you want to buy it, I guess it'll be done. I guess I'll have to give it up then. You say it's done. It's if done. You say it's Wink. done. <laughs> oh, gosh. Would you like to get into the artwork sure, that you brought with sure. you today? Thank you so much for bringing your artwork into the studio, too. It's lovely to look at it in person. Yeah, I don't think the pictures always capture it. 
I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. It's nice to have have it to look at while we talk about it. It's so hard to get a really great photo. It is. Of artwork, especially yeah. paintings, because I feel like any type of painting that I've seen like in person versus just a picture of it, it's always way better in, in person you know you can see you can see all the detail you can see the true color so it, it's really nice to have it in front of us yeah. what did you say in the parking lot you were like oh if the picture's better than your painting then you're in trouble yes <laughs> that could be a exactly problem. i saw that she had the painting and i was like oh my god thank you so much for bringing it and she was like yeah well <laughs> yeah That's your great. picture that you take of your art should always be worse than what you're showing. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> awesome. Well, Nina, do you want to go ahead and start with the painting? Sure. That's lovely. If you want to start with the title and materials and stuff and then your description. Okay. So the first piece that we're going to talk about is called Upline, and it is acrylic on canvas. It was done in... 2021 and the size is 12 inches by 36 inches the painting is presented in a tall slender portrait orientation on canvas it's bright yet subtle tones of yellow gold bronze and orange move fluidly from the upper left of the work across to the right and glides downwards on the canvas Beautiful hues of red, pink, and magenta are softly blended into the background, primarily on the left side. Soft, translucent, fluffy white paint is delicately worked throughout the piece, which creates a sense of weightlessness. There is a column of curvaceous intertwined goddesses running down the piece just left of the center. The goddesses range from light pink fleshy tones to deep red. This adds a new dimension to the piece. This is probably one of the newest pieces that I have, that I've done. Um, the goddess figures have definitely transformed over the past couple of years. And um, I've had them kind of side by side, not really interacting. And I think the past, the past probably year, they've become more layered I'm sure that says something very deep about me. I cannot tell you what that is. <laughs> Aren't you a counselor? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I really love how they are layered because I have a few of your pieces and they're like the more of the decorative paper cutout. Yes. Which also is amazing. Thank you. Um, and then I have one that it's um, like the burned wood. Oh, yes. 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 Yeah. And, and I, I and, and that's part of what I do also um, different mediums. So I've done more collage paint type things, which is what you have. Mm -hmm. And then some wood burning and then into sculptural. And I'll go back and forth, back and forth between all of them, sometimes work on them all at the same time. The background of this piece um, is quite abstract. And the figures are also fairly abstract, but definitely like definitively a female figure. Um, why did you choose to kind of create that really stark differentiation between the background and like the focus, the focused figure of the painting? 
Well, for me, the hardest part of creating is the beginning and the end. So if I do a background that doesn't require a lot of pressure or specificity, that really helps my process. So I can just, you know, focus more on colors and how they're interacting. And then I can go back in with more detailed figurative things and figure out, you know, what I like. But I guess it truly, it probably, I do it that way to put less pressure on myself because if you just have you know I really don't know how artists who do you know photorealism how they even start or where they even start on a canvas that is just very intimidating for me even if it's a tiny canvas it's there's white there's just so much white everywhere (laughs) so to start with something a little more abstract more color focused is is helpful for me and it looks like you produce a lot of different layers yes yes i'll keep going back in and then sometimes you know the figures need a little more definition or a little you know to tone down some areas so that they stick out a little bit more so i'll go back in a million times Mm -hmm. really i'll just keep going back in and adding tiny bits or you know messing around with the metallics you know the tones the layers and when you um Typically, when you start a painting like this one, um, do you have an idea of where it's going, like where you want it to go, or do you just start? Like I, I'm the type of person that I usually kind of think of some colors that I want to work with, but then I just go for it. I don't necessarily have it planned out. Do you plan these? No, I really wish I did. I think that would also help me a lot, but I cannot do that. It's difficult. <laughs> yeah. I I have a general idea of what I'm doing, and I know when it feels right. Mm-hmm. I go more, more by feeling. I okay. try not to have a, like, this is going to be this type of painting. I think it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. But if I'm feeling that way, then I will work on a more, you know, like a less abstract piece. So that's also mm-hmm. why I do multiple pieces mm-hmm. so I can – I can have different energy, express the different creative energy in different ways as I'm working. So it's it's really just me trying to put less pressure on myself. So to avoid a lot of those like, this is terrible. If it's terrible, then I can just move on to another piece and just go back and forth. Mm-hmm. This piece, and it seems like a lot of your work is very heavily focused on female form and the female body. Um, yes. But for this piece specifically used a lot of like pinks and reds and kind of like warmer tone colors. And I know that's generally very associated with like femininity, but you have a lot of other colors in here. What were, what was kind of the inspiration behind using all of these colors? Well, I wanted the background to stick out more and I wanted to, the, the, the figures are actually using the same base color. So the deeper red and then just mixing it with whites and because I knew I was, I did know because I had to tape it off. I did know I was going to do a line of figures. I didn't know what that would look like, but um, so I used colors that would, you know, complement the background, but also be able to stand out from from the background. Is there um, a specific type of technique? And Nina referenced it in her description as um, this white fluffy paint and it's translucent and kind of like weightless, but is it, how how do you do this? 
a lot of water and I mm. love um, the fluid acrylics, okay. my favorite. And yeah. you can you can really just layer them in a really delicate way. So it's water and messing around with water and dabbing some places, letting it dry, then, you know, or letting it semi dry and then removing some of it. So I try to get a lot of like fussiness out on the back so that I can focus on the important, you know, figurative part. Yeah. It it makes me think like runny isn't qu- quite the right word, but it is kind of like flu- very fluid um, and creates a lot of movement, which I think definitely complements the, the figures as well. Yeah, I've had people say they... So people don't always notice that they're women figures. I've heard them just... Cause, a lot of my pieces do have a similar figure, but sometimes it's, you know, paper cutouts, but it's basically very, it's very similar. Um, and I've had people say, oh, it looks like, you know, butterflies or tools or seeds or fish. They see all different kinds of things. So a lot of my pieces do have that flowing movement to the figures. Move. There's so much movement in like their figure and their posture. Yeah, I think the, I think... You know, and the the straight line obviously helps with that too visually. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they I try to keep them very. The color is flat, but the movement, you know, keeping the movement, keeping them being dynamic, keeping them interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that they're flat. That the color is flat because everything else, there's so much dimension already, and then it feels like. To me, anyway, when I look at it, it feels like not only is the background, the abstract background moving, so are these goddesses. They're just moving kind of in a different direction, but they're still flowing. I I definitely associate it with like... um like the Greek muses kind of thing. Um, I was actually thinking about Hercules, like the Disney Hercules movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like the depiction of women that aren't necessarily always represented in media. And I think that this is like such a powerful depiction of like freedom with your body and just kind of the comfort level that comes with like, being a curvaceous woman or people don't like to say fat, but like a fat woman and talking about like how that affects your body and like the way that you conduct yourself too. Um, And I always associate it with like, I don't know. I always feel like maybe I like hunch over more or I like sit like with my arms crossed or like my legs crossed or something. Um, But this is like the exact opposite of that. There's like no shame. There's no, nothing like stationary about it they're so free and like there is no um hesitancy in their movement and i really appreciate that about this piece well i'll jump over to your second piece that you brought if that's okay sure unless there was anything else you'd like to (laughs) say um so the second piece that you brought is a sculpture which i might be putting my foot in my mouth with this but i think might be the first sculpt like sculpture in this style that we've had because we've had a um, like a ceramicist on before. So that's kind of kind of sculptural. But um, I was really excited to write a description for this. So <laughs> thank you for bringing that in. Um, the second piece today is you wrote untitled and then in parentheses wooden goddess. It's base wooden oak done in 2017. And it's 12 and a half inches by three and a half inches. This carved wooden sculpture is of a female body depicted from the mid thigh up. Her head is bulbous and round. 
the wood is cut away to outline two breasts that droop slightly and rest on her stomach. Her arms tucked at her side resting on her rounded thighs. It sits on an oak pedestal in the shape of a rectangular prism. So you know what's funny it <laughs> is uh, when I was learning about the Venus of Willendorf in school, one of the things uh, that I didn't notice until I saw it in person was it is extremely small. Yes. And that is exactly what happened with this piece when I saw you yes. carrying it in. I was like, oh, shit, this is small. And I was like, it tricked me again. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I love that. I, I love like the accessibility of it and the like you really have to look at it where as if it were bigger, it might be too, I'm trying to think of like the right wording for this, like too obvious or something. Um, so I really, that was super fun and ex <laughs> exciting because I was like, yes. that's exactly what happened with the other piece. <laughs> I feel like I had that experience too when I first saw these in person. I was like, oh, it's like... They're so like nice and tiny. Like yes. <laughs> I was expecting them to be larger just from the pictures. They're Actually, tiny. I think so. A couple things. Um, I usually I've worked super tiny. That's where my comfort level is. Like I have done sculptures that are, I mean, penny size. That is that is what I love to do. Like probably the size of her head, and that's my comfort zone. So this is like bigger for me. Um, <laughs> I think I just love doing the tiny detailed work, the folds, the creases, you know, the, the texture working tiny. Um, the thing that's interesting is these pieces could probably translate bigger pretty easily. I've done bigger pieces of similar works just to see what would happen and they do translate, but it does create a different meaning like what you were saying. These you know, the subject can be shocking because I think that we have views of, you know, larger people and larger women and being fat and what that means and taking up space. And, you know, even the advertisements that we see of people aren't real. It's they're photoshopped, they're they're colored, they're they're, you know, the things are taken away, the body parts are stretched, the tones are changed, the eyeballs are everything is changed. So when you see a piece of art of a subject that is typically taboo, it can be shocking. So having a smaller piece also really brings you in, gives you a comfort level with it, allows you to, allows you space to be able to, you know, breathe and take it in. Whereas a bigger piece, yes, it's, it can be intimidating, you know? So with these pieces, Andy, um, does it start as one block? Cause you have, you have it like on a pedestal. So is that separate? Or do you, is it just one piece and then you take away? So this piece is, is two separate pieces just because, um, but sometimes I do carve the pedestal as part of it. I have an affinity in case you couldn't tell for this <laughs> long rectangular <laughs> shapes. And I also think because it's a goddess, you know, I think it looks better raised on a pedestal. So sometimes the piece of wood that I use for the initial carving isn't big enough to have a pedestal for it. So sometimes I will, you know, add a piece in. But the pedestal for me, while most people place a piece of art on a pedestal, for these goddesses, the pedestal is a part of the piece. So this one, yes, it can come apart, but it's it's meant to be presented. Like this is an important piece of work this is on a pedestal. This is how you view it. I'm always curious about this um, with like people that 
carve stone or wood or marble. Um, but do you find like a piece of wood and then decide what you're going to make out of it because of the way the wood looks? Or do you like know what you're going to make and then you find a piece of wood that fits it? I have no idea what I'm going to make. And it sounds, I think, not to bring up Michelangelo, but I think he said like the 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 piece reveals itself. And that is so true. And I'm sure I'm misquoting. I'm sorry, Michelangelo. Um, <laughs> I think he'll forgive you. <laughs> Probably doesn't even know what Hopefully a podcast okay. is. <laughs> Yeah, the piece really reveals itself as you're working. You know, you could have a hard spot in the stone or in the wood and you have to change, you have to shift as you go. My favorite medium is sculpture and carving. So I feel a lot more comfort with that. I don't put expectations on myself. I don't have to do a pre-abstract layer. You know, I, I can just, it just comes out. It, it We work together to create the piece, the the stone and the the tools, and I work together to create what it's going to be. I like that. <laughs> well, you worded that. <laughs> that's that's really. It's like you know, like you and the tools work together. Yeah. I never looked at it that way. <laughs> yeah, I always say, you know, when I I don't always teach art, but I have I have taught you know classes, and the thing that I try to teach and impart on people is you have to be friends with your tools. You have to, you know, get to know them. It's, you you know, you don't meet somebody always and you're really best friends with them. So it's important to get to know your tool and how it feels and how to use it and get to know them. And yes, you're not the best tool for this thing, but you're a really good tool for that. So you get to know them and, you know, work with them. You have to work together. Hopefully they like you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like some of my palette knives some of them I don't get along with all of them yeah and sometimes and I think when you learn a new skill or when you're being taught something you fight against that and you have to let your let your hands remember how to you know call back to the ancient you know ancient times and let yourself let your body remember how to do things like we humans have been doing all these things for you know, hundreds of thousands of years, we just have to let ourselves go. And when you connect to that, that spiritual place, I mean, amazing things happen. Ancestral muscle memory. Yes, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I really like that a lot. So Andy, what does your process entail? And what inspires your work? So usually I pick up a piece of wood, and I just start roughing it out because there's generally areas that I know I won't need as I go. And then, again, it's more of an intuitive process as I go. It's not, I don't have a plan. I don't pick up, you know, the wood or anything, you know, the stone or the tools. I don't really have a plan. I usually know I'm going to do something, you know, feminine. I know I'm going to do figurative, and then I just go from there. Do you ever um, do anything with basically the leftovers like from carving or if you're doing like your collage pieces and you're cutting out the goddesses do you ever do anything with said scraps yes so i am an art hoarder and i have <laughs> <laughs> i have um just jars of scrap paper um, the bigger pieces of wood I'll save to carve for something or uses you know it, it's not always usable depending on the tool that I'm using like hand tools leaves a lot of like 
tiny little pieces so it's not really usable. Um, when you use bigger tools, then you can have, you know, a chunk and use that. You know, if you have like a table saw, you can, you know, have a chunk of wood to be able to use. But yeah, I've scrap, I've like jars of little scraps of thread that I have. I just think they're so pretty and I just love looking at them. So yeah, I collect them. I don't always use them, but <laughs> I collect them. Yeah, I used to collect um, like the little dried pieces of acrylic yes. that's on top of the caps. Yes. And I had them like all different colors just sitting in a jar. And I'm like, why am I saving these? And this was, I mean, this was a while ago, but I eventually was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do a painting with this. And I did like an abstract tree. And then I put these little like acrylic lumps, if you will, <laughs> like throughout the tree. And it actually looked really cool. And my friend actually, um, asked for it so oh, she wow. has it she's had it for years and she has it hanging in her office but I was like oh like I I saved all of that had no idea what I was gonna do with it and somebody really loved it yeah and I also still like just love like peeling that paint there's off. nothing more satisfying <laughs> it really is <laughs> I made a piece with my acrylic I had like little um you know the the circles so it was like this beautiful domed piece that you could peel out and it was really ugly and horrible and it's sitting behind almost everything in my <laughs> studio because it was so bad and no one wanted it or wanted to buy it. So I was unsuccessful. So I'm probably going to stick with jars. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever use oils? I have not, but mostly because um, I get migraines and smells are a trigger for me. So I... I have not tried oils, although I think they're gorgeous and luscious and stunning and the pieces that people can create with them are incredible. But I did see probably on TikTok <laughs> that you can use um, like a different oil, like you can even use olive oil. I just saw this. So I was thinking of starting, you know, or there's like a lavender oil you can use too. So I was thinking of doing that. I would have no idea what I'm doing, but... Well, you should probably ask Michelangelo because I just saw him on TikTok the other day. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his own TikTok. <laughs> Where is this? I need it. I need to see it. <laughs> but on a serious note, there are... Have you looked into the water-soluble oils? I have not. I haven't. So I have been playing around with those, um, the Windsor & Newton. And it's definitely not the same feel as a true oil paint, but they still work very nicely if you want to like, mess around with them. And I use them at home because I don't have proper ventilation. Yeah. And it's, I mean, they don't really smell. Um, if I'm like using them for a long period of time, I'll just like, have the fan on and maybe crack the window but they really don't have much of an odor um and they don't dry well they they don't take as long to dry they still take a mm. long time to dry <laughs> but okay. not not as yeah, that's, long that's what I was and they're, they're more affordable too which is nice <laughs> always nice <laughs> yes <laughs> but if you're interested because yeah, you can you. you don't need like a solvent you can use the thinner um but you can just use water soap and water to clean them wow which is okay. really nice yeah. thank you that's mm -hmm. awesome i'm so excited to hear about your little paint scrapings from both of you because <laughs> i put so i do i love oil paints and i paint i put like my um 
I love oil paints and my palette is like a glass cutting board. Um, and when it dries, I love scraping it off with like a big like box cutter blade. And I just like keep them in a jar. And I was like, this is so weird. Like it probably, it looks disgusting, but (laughs) I like, I was so excited when you guys were like, yeah, I kept I'm like, I want to go home and like make something out of it. I'm so excited. This is why (laughs) artists should be friends with other artists so that they can validate all their weirdness and things that they Yeah, we can all just have show and tell. And bring in our carvings and like wood chips in mason yes. jars. <laughs> yes, uh, cicada shells, cicada jars, shells. cicada shells. I have plenty of those in my yard. Yeah. I have those too. A jar. <laughs> I don't have a jar, jar of teeth. Anyone? No, no teeth. No teeth. All right. I won't say who has that in this room, but it's <laughs> like me. your own teeth. No, or other teeth. No, it's it's. It's actually teeth that you use for dental. They're they're fake, but you use them for dental. They're real dental mold teeth, and I have a whole jar of them. I had for a really a really long time. That's it's a lot to deal with. I'm sorry. I had to it's share a, that with it's you. okay. Now well, when, you have to have that. When in your you head. said when she's like, "Oh, your own teeth," and you're like, "No," and I was like, "Whose teeth yeah. are they?" <laughs> Should I be asking this question? Well, now I'm glad that they're like molds. Not I mean, like- if someone gave me their teeth, I would definitely take them. I I, I should have saved uh, my dog's teeth for you. And yeah. She lost them all last summer. <laughs> I'd find them in my shoes. Oh. <laughs> I like to take my shoes on and there's the dog tooth. She's trying to give you a gift. <laughs> Clearly. It's like reverse tooth fairy. <laughs> <laughs> she thought if I found a tooth in my shoe i'd give her a treat. yeah <laughs> thanks mom well speaking of your studio <laughs> and all of the things you keep in there um you mentioned that you have a studio space that's adjacent to two other artists or you share it with them yeah we share a space we have um working studio space and then we have a gallery area and that's with um anna hamilton and femi johnson and they're both amazing artists and i've i've really it's it can be intimidating being with other artists, but also I found it to be really helpful for my process and very validating and reassuring and, you know, keep me working because that, that is hard to do. It's hard to keep going. It's hard not to be defeated. But when you're with other people who are also creating, it can be very inspirational and motivating. I always enjoyed that when I had shared studio space. It's just, it's nice. I mean, like working from home, I'm like, okay, this is great because I don't have to wear pants if yes. I don't want to. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, this is great. But at the same time, you're like, it would be nice to have somebody's opinion on this. And like, I asked my husband, and he's like, well, you're, you're the artist, not me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but it would be nice to have some feedback once yeah. in a while. Could we do a critique? <laughs> he's like, well, I'm a musician. I'm like, well... So that's always the conversation. Well, I don't ask you about my drumming. <laughs> I'm like, because like, it sounds good no matter what. No. <laughs> but yes, it's it is that community aspect is mm-hmm. really nice to have. Can you give us like a verbal walkthrough of your studio? You mentioned teeth. You mentioned <laughs> lint. <laughs> what else you got in there? I don't keep too scary of things in there. Um, but I do have I do have an inspiration wall that is some creepy things. There's hmm. 
butterflies and there's paintings and there's masks. It's just a wall for me to look at and be, you know, inspired by. It's things that I like. So Ooh. I've never I heard like of that, that before. I yeah. really like that. That's very cool. I might have to do something like that for myself. Yeah, it helps. Mm-hmm. Little figurines and little, like, you know, the beautiful hand-painted Mexican, like, the little animals that are just beautiful and so interesting. Yeah. That's very neat. Yeah, that's a great idea. I have that, like, in my sketchbook. Like, I cut out stuff and then just, like, stick it in there. Mm -hmm. And I, like, categorize it by shape. So I have, like, page of circles, page of squares, page (laughs) page of triangles. But, like, I like that idea. I need to find wall space to do that because that's really cool. I have folders like just file folders with just pages ripped out of magazines and stuff yes. of like designs that I like oh. thinking that, you know, one day <laughs> I'll use it for a collage. Yes. But it's always like, oh, I like this design too much to just look <laughs> yes. at it. I don't want to <laughs> glue it to anything or put anything over it. So maybe I just need to put those on a board or a wall. Yeah. I've done that. But just, and I've ended up with binders and binders mm-hmm. of stuff. You know, little, here's a rabbit, here's this gorgeous color orange, here is, like, <laughs> this room, here is this piece of art. It's Oh, yeah, I have, like, paint swatches out the butt, just, yeah. like, <laughs> I'm like, this color is amazing. <laughs> yeah, stacks, just yeah. stacks. It's like, oh, are you painting your house? Nope, just looking at the colors. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, why are you picking orange, purple, and green? I think you are using these for art purposes and not for paint swatches. You don't know me. <laughs> I'm so scared I'll be caught sometimes. <laughs> like, Can I help looking you? Around? No, just taking all of these. I'm painting a wall. I'm Thank painting you. 37 different rooms. <laughs> I have a very big house. I have a really, yeah, I have a really, really large house. Uh, oh, my God, that's a universal experience, too. <laughs> Well, they're so Getting pretty. Why do they have to make them so pretty just looking at me with all their colors and one <laughs> wonderful, like, organization? Yeah. So, so how, how long have you been at the studio that you're out at now? So, again, I'm really bad with years. That's okay. But um, probably, I think it's like eight now. Okay. It's it's a while. It's been a, it's been a long time. Nice. Did you have a studio space before that? Or? No, and I think that's also what led to me working very tiny. I would sit on the floor of my bedroom and just work very you know in very tiny smaller pieces you know so having a studio has caused me to be able to create bigger pieces of work mm-hmm. and think about creating even bigger pieces of work i have bigger pieces sitting outside ready to be cut mm-hmm. because i do need to expand i think it's important to be able to do all different sizes so uh, that is something that is will happen in the next year just working bigger and getting bigger pieces Awesome. I'm excited to see you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so you said you've been at your studio for maybe about eight years. Um, have you always lived in the Lehigh Valley? Yeah. Okay. I was born and raised in Allentown. Nice. And just never left. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, this area has a tendency to kind of suck you in and hold on to you. Even statistically, like people yeah. from this area <laughs> tend to like stay here. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a vortex. (laughs) (laughs) And I know a lot of people that leave for a while and they come back. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like because they want to come back. 
Yeah. <laughs> I just want to, you know, just to not clarify. They, just, not because they were like ripped out of their homes. Well, some people here. come back because it's like they have to for a job or family or sure. something. But a lot of people do yeah. do come back because they want to. I think I think that's important. Well, I mean, we are close to Philly. We're close to New York. We're close to, you know, transportation hubs. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things coming in and out of the Lehigh Valley all the time. So, yeah, I think that's part of it. What about specifically for you? Like, what is it about um, living here and working here and operating as an artist here that really appeals to you? I don't know if it appeals to me necessarily. I just think that this is, you know, this is home. I've definitely thought about you know, moving, you know, to a different climate, especially the, the, <laughs> the winter weather. Um, but, you know, this, this works for me right now. And it's, you know, it's what, I, what I'm comfortable. I mean, it's comfort. You know, I'm used to being here. I know yeah. what's happening here. You know, moving is very intimidating, especially if you're moving out of state or yeah. somewhere completely <laughs> different. And again, as an artist, like that, you know, we do have access to larger art center so it's also convenient yeah, yeah a lot of people don't have the luxury of being like oh i'm just gonna get on the bus and yep drive hour and a half to two hours to new york or hop on the train and go down to philly which is like i used i mean pre-covid i did that sometimes yeah i wouldn't too. i wouldn't say frequently i wish i did it more but it was nice to have have access to that. Andy, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to see your work, what's the best place to do that? So we have an upcoming show. The dates are going to be announced, but you can find that on Facebook. Um, I'm also on Instagram working on my website. Very so. good. And what's the name of your studio that the show will be at? It's Expression Studio on Hamilton awesome. in downtown Allentown. Very cool. We'll make sure to share that through the podcast account. So make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook to get all that information. Um, and then your Instagram is at Andy Grunberg, A-N-D-I-G-R-U-N-B-E-R-G. Yes. Awesome. Well, okay. thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. It was very much. enlightening. <laughs> yes. And exciting. <laughs> thank you. Yes. And again, thank you so much for bringing in, in your work for us to look at. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that and how I, how much I enjoyed it. Thanks for looking at them. I'm always inspired by you. <laughs> thank you. I really am. Thank you. Thank <laughs> I'm you. so excited that we could do this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Nina and Andy, for joining us in the studio today for today's episode. Our opportunity of the week is our upcoming art exhibition opening at the gallery at Still Pixel Studios with featured artist Nina Budhansing. November 17th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. at Still Pixel Studios at 701 North New Street located in historic Bethlehem. We hope to see you there. Thanks for tuning in to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, a Steel Pixel original series. Don't forget to like the podcast, leave us a review, and follow us on both social media and streaming services at Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast.